Hello Fresno Christian, I'm your host, Matthew Dequino, here on behalf of The Feather Online, and I'm joined by my editor and psychic, Chloe McDonald. Welcome to the second installment of the Fresno Christian EagleCast. Our guest here is infamous for his encouraging personality and deep love for God, Mr. Falk. Hey, well thank you, it's great to be here with the two of you, and um, ready to answer whatever questions you put my way, but I'm honored and uh, glad to be on with you today. Great. Uh, you guys may know him as the Bible teacher and vice principal of your beloved Fresno Christian, but today we aim to learn more about the story of what made you who you are today, Mr. Falk. So we would like to start off with a banger question. Were you always a Christian? Well, as I've uh, often uh, explained in my, um, my classes, my Bible classes, uh, my family were not uh, Christian people necessarily. They weren't church going growing up. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, both of my parents had some church background. So they, uh, they took me to Sunday school when I was uh, just a, a young boy, and I liked Sunday school. And uh, then when I got into high school, uh, I started to go to uh, a youth group in my area. And uh, one of the youth leaders talked about having a personal walk with God as opposed to just believing in God. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I did believe in God, but I didn't know what he meant by that. So... I met with them, and we talked at length, and um, he just said, would you like to pray with me that you would have a personal walk with God? I said, yeah, I would, and so uh, that began another uh, step in the journey of, you know, giving my life to God, because I think I gave my life to God as a, as a little boy, you know, in church and Sunday school, but, you know, as I was growing up and becoming a teenager and understanding really what it meant to know God and to follow him, I, I always considered that as a pretty a significant step in my, uh, in my pilgrimage. So um, you are a pastor, correct? So would you say that your walk in Christ was a way like you, when you talked to your pastor when you were younger, did that inspire you, like you want, you want people to do that? Was that like why you were a pastor? No, that's not, that's not how the story goes for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story goes for me, uh, when I finished high school, uh, like most high school students, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I, I know that I had a deep and great love for kids. And so I went off to school to Cal Poly, and uh, in the time that I was over there, I decided I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Mm-hmm. So I started taking classes, and I got in a group with of students that were pursuing that kind of thing, and I was felt like, yes, this is what I was about, this is what I made for, because I... I've always really liked kids, and I actually worked with uh, kids when I was in high school, much like our elementary internship program that we have at school, where high school kids just come across the way and work with elementary kids. That's what I did in high school. And um, so anyway, I was off at school, and uh, I came home on one weekend and was hanging out with some friends of mine, and we went to a, a kind of a prayer meeting, and... I had a very profound encounter with God, and in that encounter, I, I felt I heard the Lord say to me that he wanted me to be a minister. So that's where the change happened. Uh, I changed from being uh, pursuing an, uh, being an elementary school teacher into uh, training to be a pastor. So I finished school and went on to more school for training and and then was, uh, was ordained and licensed. And yeah, I, I pastored three or four churches in the course of my lifetime, that was really my life pursuit. Yep, that's how it happened. Okay. So that leads us to our next question. 
Where did you grow up? Where did this all start? Well, I grew up right here in Fresno. I was born in Turlock. My, my dad's family was from Turlock, but I was born in Fresno and grew up, went to local high school, uh, went away to college, and then came back and finished at Fresno Pacific, and then went away to college again to uh, Los Angeles. I worked in Santa Cruz for many years uh, in the summers at a camp, Mount Hermon. I studied in Israel for a period in my college years. And, um, yeah, I've kind of lived all over the place, but Fresno was where I was raised, went to school. And I returned to Fresno about 30 years ago after having lived in a lot of different places. And we ended up with my family back in Fresno and have been here ever since. That's, that's a great story. So, um, like you said, you've been a pastor, and you're obviously a Christian, obviously. So what did that mean to you? Does that like affect the way you live your life? Like, well, How do you see others? Does that affect, what does it mean to you? Well, you know, we all are aware that there are different uh, roles. The Bible calls them gifts that, um, that God has given to the church. And um, certain gifts are leadership-type gifts, and certain gifts are teaching-type gifts, and serving gifts. There are all kinds of different ways in which people live and are faithful in the life of the church. And um, because I was given this gift and because I trained um, for many years with the gift of being a pastor and being a teacher, even though uh, currently I'm not like a pastor of a church necessarily, I'm still doing and uh, living out these kinds of gifts that have given to me to teach and to lead and to guide and to pastor. And that's what I do here at Fresno Christian. It's not a church like a typical church, but we're people of faith here. So my role very much here is like that. It, it is like a pastor. In fact, during my time here, I actually had the title campus pastor. I don't have it now, but it, when I was here prior, that was actually my title at school, campus pastor. So being a pastor and being a bivocational pastor, being a teacher about Christ, have you ever had any low points with Christ? Like where it was really hard to follow Jesus, even though you really wanted to, it was just a little difficult for you. Have you ever had those? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think um, in the course of my years, I've been a pastor for over 40 years. Uh, in the course of those years, you know, we've had some real difficulties in some church settings that we have been a part of, and that's been that's been difficult. Most most pastors, at some point in their life, usually experience some kinds of frustration or struggle in their work. And I certainly did. My family and I certainly did. Um, but uh, in those difficult times and down times, uh, somehow I found my way into a place where um, I found a group of people or some kind of work or setting where. Um, you know, I could find a lot of peace and uh, actually for personal fulfillment in the kind of work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've had my ups and downs. I think currently um, uh, I am experiencing, you know, some of those kinds of doubts that people say they experience over time. And I'm, I'm working through those. And uh, every believer at some point in their life faces those kinds of things. And I certainly have and certainly am in an ongoing way, you know, asking questions, sorting out some of my thoughts and, and even doubts and disappointments. So yes, yes, all of us do. And I certainly have and certainly do. Yeah. And on that topic, how would you encourage students to stay close on their walk of faith? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think if I want to 
say what comes to my mind first and quickly is uh, find friends. Um, in the context in which we talk, we call them soul friends. Uh, find people who uh, love you, who uh, are, are taking an interest in your life of faith. Uh, they want to see you succeed. They want to see you have faith. And they believe in you and they encourage you. And when you're struggling, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't throw them off. Um, when you're... Um, things that are difficult or thin, they're not going to give up on you. And um, when you have a friend, uh, you really only need one friend. If you have a group of friends, that's, that's, that's just a big plus. But if you have a friend, a soul friend, that you can walk with and that you can um, walk together in faith, I think that's a big thing. Along with, of course, you know, your prayer life, um, taking uh, careful seriousness in, in the scriptures and praying the Psalms and being a part of a fellowship, all those things are important. But above them all, it just would be my view, is uh, finding a companion, finding someone, a friend that you can walk with, or a group of friends. Yeah. And, um, you know, that would be my, my sense. Mm -hmm. So as we know, you are a vice principal here, and since you are a pastor, has that affected the way you discipline students? Like, do you, do you feel like you empathize more with them and you understand what they're going through, or does it affect the way you discipline them at all? That's a good question, Matt. I, I think it certainly does. I think when you when you enter into a pastoral relationship with people, and it doesn't matter whether they're teenagers or adults, um, what you're really dealing with is the limitations that we all have as human beings. You're dealing with people's frustrations. You're dealing with their failures. You're dealing with their doubts. You're dealing with their struggles. You're dealing with their sin. And the only way as believing people and especially as followers of Jesus the only way you can deal with people in his spirit is through grace and through mercy and through patience so because that's been my the way in which I've lived and pastored people all these years of course it it just translates right into my my relationship with students as the vice principal so I deal with students patiently I deal with them uh, with grace, I, I believe in students, and uh, I mentioned, you know, to you and to my classes many times that myself, when I was a high school student, um, I struggled. I made mistakes. I got in trouble, and um, so when I I deal with students, I a lot of times I just see myself, and I know how much I need uh, people to be patient with me, people to be merciful to me, people to. Um, uh, have the Lord's grace for me. So, yeah, I just, that's mostly how, uh, yeah, I approach students in the role as the vice principal. Okay. So having dealing, you have to deal with high school kids and middle school kids, but what do you remember most about your high school years? Uh, like, where did you go to high school? Uh, I went to Bullard High School. I wow. graduated in 1973, and I had a great time in high school. It was, uh, it was not not everyone does have good a good high school experience, and I think it's important to, to say that and be aware of that. Not everyone says, oh, those are the best years of my life. Uh, sometimes people say, those are the roughest years of my life, and that's it, understandable. For me personally, I had a great four years in high school. I was very involved in my school. I was involved in student government, you know, um, class president, student body leader, that kind of thing. I played football. I played baseball. Um, I was involved in the uh, forensics and drama and you know, I just was immersed and had lots of good friends. 
Um, I like the girls. I, I just had lots of girlfriends. From, you know, unfortunately, I think I might have been perceived as a bit of a player or something. But I, I liked uh, my friends. And um, but as I said before, I didn't live a, you know any kind of a pristine or perfect life. And I, I got in trouble at school. I got trouble outside of school for different things. And um, you know, but it, for me, it was just a part of my growing up, and I learned from my mistakes. I paid for some of my mistakes. Um, but all in all, I had a great high school. I had good teachers. Um, my parents were good parents, and I think I had good friends. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I had a good high school experience. That's good. Um, on top of that, so every high schooler at Fresno Christian, especially the seniors, they're asked to, like, pick a life first. Did you have a life first throughout your high school? I didn't have one throughout my high school, but I would say if there's a verse that, um, uh, you know, a couple obviously come to mind, but one of them that just comes to my mind right now is the one that I, you know, from time to time I've, I've said it, I've kind of thrown it out there with this kind of question, and it's this statement where Jesus said, what does it profit a man, what does it profit a woman or anyone if they gain the whole world, but they lose their soul. Yeah. Now, that's not talking about going to hell. That's not what he means. When he says, what good is it if you, you have everything that anybody could ever want, but you're an empty person. Uh, you're not the kind of person anybody wants to be around you. You're not the kind of person somebody wants to go to lunch with or hang out with. What does it profit a person if they have everything, but they don't have a soul? And there are a lot of empty people running around in our world today, in our culture, that have everything in the minds of people, celebrities, uh, sports people, you know, and it uh, looks like they got everything. Um, but I think a lot of those people, they're just as empty as can be. And so that's that's been one that I like, among others. Hmm. So talking about emptiness and stuff like that, we all know that you're not, hopefully. But what would, what would be some of the things that bring you the most joy in life? Well, right off the bat, I have to say, you know, I, I've been married for 45 years. My wife brings me um, great joy. She's Everything good in my life really has come from my relationship with her. Uh, I have three kids, three daughters, grown daughters, and they're just amazing. I talked to my daughter Susie today. She was off on a business trip, and I hadn't seen her, talked to her for a couple of weeks, and I called her at lunchtime. I said, I, did, I just want to see your voice, hear your voice. I want to see you. Can you come over tomorrow? Uh, my three daughters are my great joy. And now two of my daughters are married, so I got two really cool son-in-laws, and then I got two great grandkids. So two grandkids who are great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's just uh, without any kind of comparison or equal. It's really the joy of my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my son-in-laws. Yeah, right at the top. Okay. Now, right below that. Oh. oh, we're not done. Is right below that is all these kids that I get to work with and be a part of here at school. Mm. Well, that's nice. next. So that brings us to our next question. We asked students around campus, "What would you like to know about Mr. Falk?" And one of the questions was, "How did Mr. Falk meet his wife?" Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good story too. <laughs> um, a lot of kids in our school go to summer camp. Uh, Hume Lake, I know, is a big uh, favorite for a lot of kids here. And um, during my summers when I was in college, uh, I worked at a summer camp, Mount Hermon, which is over in Santa Cruz Mountains. And um, I want to just put in a plug for 
high school students, when you reach that age where you're in college, I uh, just encourage you to consider doing something. We have a lot of kids here that uh, they work at Hume Lake when they, when they graduate, and I just want to encourage you to do that. There's just really nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And when I was in college in summers, I worked at Mount Hermon, and that's where I met my wife. She, I was working with high school students. Uh, I first started working with teenagers, junior high students, in 1974. So I've been working with kids for a long, long time, and I was working at Santa Cruz at Mount Hermon with high school kids, and Carol was there working in the housekeeping crew, and I spotted her just the first week at camp. I thought, that is the cutest girl I've ever seen in my life. And so we had kind of a summer romance, and um, yes, and um, it was really fun. Our first date, I took her for a ride on a motorcycle, and that was really great. I said, hold on, and we off we went. You rode a motorcycle? Yeah, it was great. We went to A&W Burgers. Of course, you know, I have to start with a burger. And then uh, she was a nursing student at Chico State, up in Northern California, above Sacramento at the time. And I was in uh, school down in Los Angeles studying to be a pastor. And so we had a long-distance relationship for a year. We wrote and called and so forth. And then I asked her to marry me during that time. And we got married at the end of the next year. And uh, the rest is history. So when you met your wife, was she a believer at the time? Oh, yeah. She grew up in a Christian home, a strong Christian home, actually. And, of course, that's why kids that work at Mount Hermon mostly are, of course, college kids that are believing people. And yeah, she grew up in a really strong Christian home. And of course, that was a big part of my attraction to her because she was, you know, a person of strong faith, which is what I was looking for in a wife. Yeah. So, Mr. Falk, back to your your younger years. Mm -hmm. In your Bible class, often, apparently, a bunch of the students have mentioned that you'll bring up that one time when you were a kid and you got in trouble but you'll never elaborate on it. So a couple kids around campus, when they found out that we were going to be interviewing you, begged us to ask that question. Well, it's a difficult question on a couple levels because I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid, and I'm not sure which ones they're referring to. I have pretty openly talked about uh, with kids about when I, tr- when I got in trouble with the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. The Fresno County Sheriff's Department yes. came to my house, and I tell that story. I know it's kind of a shocker. The place goes quiet instantly. And some friends of mine and I were involved in some, uh, you know, some stealing, some shoplifting kinds of things. And I got to the place where I said, I, this is too much for me, and I backed out. But one of the boys that I was involved with, he just continued, and he got deeper and deeper into stealing things. And then he got caught by the police. So when he was taken in for questioning, they said, well, who are other kids that you've, you know, done these things with? And so he mentioned me and a couple of my friends. So... Yeah, they came down, they questioned me, and I had to take my mom down there. It was very embarrassing, and it was humiliating, and it was really shameful. Now, I want to say the reason I tell that story to kids is because sometimes kids, teenagers, think, well, they've gotten themselves in trouble, and, you know, God's done with them, or, you know, they're never going to amount to anything, or it's a black mark on their lives, and it defines them and all that, and... I think kids know what defines me, and my failures don't define me. What defines me is who I am, my love for them, my faith in the Lord. That's what defines me. So when kids hear, well, someone that they look up to or trust or whatever, say, well, they've had hard times or they've made failures, then then I think they can find grace and mercy for themselves. One time I went to speak at a summer camp with a bunch of high school kids, 
And I started off with that story. You know, they introduced me. I was the camp speaker. No kid knew me. And I started off with that story. And I talked to one of the parents after camp. And she said to me, she goes, my son did not want to go to camp because he just had got arrested for shoplifting. And mom thought it was a good idea if you go to camp. And I started off with that story. And that mom told me it was a life-transforming moment for the son to hear that this camp speaker had the same experience as he had and that I found the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God and so could this kid. So that's how I see my failure. I'm not proud of it. I don't tell it to kids so that they can go, hey, he's, he's really something because he got in trouble. It, it's not anything I'm proud of. I'm ashamed of it, actually, and it's not anything I would ever wish on anyone. Yeah. Right. But anyway, that's, that's the story. That's how it goes. So um, to change topics on a little more of a lighter note, a lot of students notice that you have Buzz Lightyear and Mr. Incredible in a lot of the rooms that you teach in, and even in They're your office everywhere. right now. I'm looking at so them right now. why? What is the significance of Mr. Incredible and Buzz Lightyear? That is, that's a really good question. Um, it's my deep conviction that um, there's not enough joy in people's perception of the Christian faith. Now, fortunately, because I work here at Fresno Christian and I'm surrounded by a lot of, a lot of young people, um, there's plenty of joy, plenty of laughter, uh, plenty of fun around here. But sometimes what happens is people get older, um, the joy part of our faith kind of recedes to the background. And I'm a grown man, I'm an adult. So in some ways, I'm an example to, uh, to teenagers about what does it mean to be an adult Christian? Uh, and I want to demonstrate in as many ways as I can that to be an adult Christian means to have that same joy that teenagers experience. They get together, they get in a room, they're having fun, they're laughing. Um, it's not difficult for uh, most adolescents, especially in our little group here, to know joy. And sometimes, uh, I, I don't totally know why it happens, I'm sure there's explanations, but the joy begins to to diminish, and sometimes it just completely disperses out of the Christian life. So I try, I intentionally try to bring joy into my classroom, to, sh to demonstrate that the Christian life is a joyful life, and what's better way to do that than the kinds of things that make people smile and make people laugh, and that I love Bud's Lightyear, and I love Mr. Credible because they make me laugh big time. They make they're, us laugh, I know. Too. They're, they're <laughs> the kind of characters. They're human. They're real. Yeah. They, they make mistakes. Um, we laugh at them, but we laugh with them. That's the and that's why. They, those two represent to me the kind of... Well, one, I have to just be completely honest. I kind of see myself in both of them. Because they're both kind of goofy. They fall over themselves. They make mistakes. People laugh at them, but they're endeared. And that's kind of my self-perception. I think people laugh at me. They think I'm kind of goofy. I fall over myself a lot. But I also think that there's a, there's a love uh, that I feel comes from people in the same way that I feel like I love Buzz and I love Mr. Incredible. So how's that for an answer? That's, that's a, a great answer. Amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. I think we're going to end it right here. Oh, with Buzz and with Buzz Mr. Buzz Incredible. Buzz and Mr. It's a great way to end. It's a great way to end. So okay. we appreciate you coming out, Mr. Folk. And we will catch you guys, your students, on the next podcast. Well, thanks a lot, and it's been a joy to be with you guys.